the whole idea is that you are not changing your spending habits at all. Nothing changes. And I did this with Float back in, uh, I think it was 1990. I wanted to buy a fur coat. And <laughs> I was buying a used fur coat for $400. Well, my paycheck was $400. And it's like, okay, I'm going to pay them $400 cash, get this fur coat, and my uh, withdrawals won't happen until the next paycheck. And that's what this does. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today we have Ruth Johannes Meyer on the podcast. She recently released the book, Winning the Lottery. She started her journey from very, very humble beginnings. She's going to share that with you today, but she has all kinds of things we get to talk about from DSCR loans to offset loans to all-in-one loans, things that I haven't heard of, which is not as common for me today since I've been in the game for a little while. So we're super excited to get into those topics. But as always, Ruth, take us into what is the craziest real estate experience or transaction you've faced so far? Well, uh, I was living in Chicago. Uh, both my husband and I were like, we got to get out of here. We can't afford our mortgage. Moved down to a summer home that my family owned. We were there for the off season. And the 30-year-old refrigerator died. And I did not have any money to replace it. And my dad's like, well, you're living there. You have to replace it. <laughs> and so I was selling real estate at the time, and I sold an entire mobile home park for $2,000 commission. <laughs> I took that $2,000 commission, we moved back to Chicago, and bought a for sale by owner home. And that $2,000 investment then, through sweat equity and time, has resulted in me living in paradise in a million-dollar home. Wow. Well, I, I don't think we should just gloss over those details. Like, take us into it. So, took $2,000. Like, what did you buy? What was the purchase price? What did you do? What was the sweat equity like? Just take us through that deal. So, it was the dead of winter, and we're at a friend's party for Super Bowl, or not Super Bowl, but uh, football New Year's Day. And during halftime, we drove to this house that had a sign where for sale by owner and then the phone number and they ran out of room and I had to get out through feet of snow to go up and read the fine print of what the last two digits were. And this home was a 1924 home and we became only the second owners. Uh, oh. It was dilapidated to the point that the inspector for the village had to sign off on any sales. And he says, are you sure you don't want me to condemn it so you can get out of the sale? <laughs> so $2,000 and uh, other people's money. I love other people's money. We went and rehabbed that. It had never had a shower. It had a bathtub where you hook up the you know faucet and it had a drain board sink. Uh, when my husband was working on the electricity, he found the original gas line for the one and only, you know, light in the room. <laughs> and 
sweat equity, six months rehabbing that, do a cash out refinance, pay off all the credit cards and do it again, uh, move from house to house. And we say we have a Brookfield, Illinois mortgage on a Marco Island home. Yeah, I love it. What was the purchase price on that first home? Uh, it was 102000 102000 And you got to take it down for $2,000. Yep. Wow. What? Give Sold us an it idea. for about two fifty. dollars uh, two years later. Oh, another great story. We had a before party. And because we knew we wanted the general public to like it, it wasn't our taste. And so we had little mm. voting slips of ceramic tile, floor samples, mm. and everyone voted, which should we use? And we did majority vote. And it was just no a great way. party. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, that leads to so many questions. So first of all, <laughs> it sounds like you you bought it knowing you wanted to flip it. Is that fair yes, to say? absolutely. Okay. Okay, cool. And so tell I mean, I think this is a great idea getting impact or input from people that is, especially since you're not going to own it long term. How did you throw that party? How many people came? How did you structure it? Well, uh, we, we had a lot of friends in the area and this house was so small. It was, uh, you know, about a thousand square feet. And I think we had 200 friends that when the first friend came in or, you know, when a friend came in the door, other people had to leave through the back door <laughs> because there wasn't enough room. And the best thing about this party was this instant conversation. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what a dump this is. They're going to live here. And they would look at the floor samples and it's like, oh, that's ugly. You know, oh, that's great. You know, and we even had, we didn't have any uh, countertops. We had plywood and a sink. The refrigerator was on the back porch. If anyone spilled wine or beer, it didn't matter. You know, <laughs> everything's raw. And uh, it just, it, it was so much fun to have that, that challenge that everyone is rooting for you, but they're also able to badmouth the house itself. <laughs> so take me into their choices. Like, did it, was it just the most expensive stuff of everything or did they make good choices? Um, I think they make good choices. You know, we kind of like you do, everyone does with their paints that they have the different samples up. And it's like, which do you like? Uh, we had that for the floor, the counters, the walls, everything. My favorite was the toilet paper dispenser. On that voting slip, it's like, where should the toilet dispenser be? A, B, or C, and had, you know, the equivalent of post-it notes for the location. But in addition to that, on the voting tab was, are you male or female? So when I <laughs> grabbed all of those votes, I threw out all the male ones and took the priority of females. <laughs> all right, tell me more. Why, why, why just the females? Because you, you go to the bathroom differently and... Yeah. It's it's like the women are the ones who who truly buy the house, not the husband, and that was kind of a situation for a different house we had. Uh, our realtor was a great realtor. Said you have to see this house. You know, it's like my husband's out of town; he can't. It's like no, this is your house. This is your house. 
So I go over to this house and I mean, I walked in the front door and said, we'll take it. You know, it was like, I didn't even have to see the rest of the house. And so I call my husband up and it's like, this is going to have a bidding war. We need to do it. Uh, you know, I need to make an offer today. He's like, but I'm not going to be home for three days. It's like, it'll be gone by then. And he goes, okay, call Bert. And he, I go, he's on his way over here now because I knew that's what my husband would say. So Bert walks in the door. I hand him the phone. It's like, oh, yeah, you got to buy this house. Well, we lost out on the bid. Our bid was not the strongest. And a month later, the real estate agent said the purchasers uh, fell through. You're back in the mix. And it's like, well, why did it fall through? What's wrong with the house? And it's like. Well, the husband uh, made the offer and the wife hadn't seen it. So we say a wife can buy a house without the husband, but a husband can't buy a house without the wife. <laughs> right. That has been very, very true in my experience as an agent here in California. <laughs> so this is so fascinating. I'm very curious about how you got 200 people there. I mean, obviously you've got a lot of friends, you built some relationships, but what was the marketing like? I mean, was it just texting everybody in your phone book? like? How'd you get all those people there to, to see that house? I think it was just uh, phone calls and uh, it was, it was definitely, you know, friends. My husband had grown up in the area and so it was like a class reunion practically. <laughs> right. How fun. And parents so, and, you know, everyone. So you buy this house for 102000 How much did you put into it? Uh, probably, uh, 50,000 for the first credit card draw. Uh, you had to wait six months to refinance. So, you know, waited until that and then put another 50,000 in refinanced again. And that's how I got into the mortgage industry is every time I went to refinance or do a purchase or whatnot. I'd find mistakes that somebody made and it's like, man, I swear I've done more loans than you have <laughs> or than my loan officer has. And right. when I said that uh, a few years ago, it's like, why aren't I the loan officer? <laughs> right. hundred percent. So, so then you did all the repairs, sold this for 250 and you kept doing that process all the way until you had a million dollar home, million dollars in equity. Yeah, um, the our home at one point was valued at 1.5, and uh, so we had a million dollars in equity. But it's kind of that was during the craze. We didn't sell then, which is a mis a mistake not to get the money out because it was yeah. paper money. It was monopoly money, and so you know now we're you know looking to actually get the money out, and you know the home will probably sell for between, you know, 1.2 and 1.3. Wow. So this all started on a $2,000 thing that you made on a commission of a sale. Right. And in the process, you're leveraging other people's money. You're leveraging some credit cards, things like that. Was there any money you had to put in after that, after the 2000 bucks, or was it all OPM from there? Uh, pretty much all other people's money. Like I said, we'd put it on the credit card and refinance. Uh, my husband in six months made more on the refinance than he had in his career. And he had been, you know, uh, he was an airline pilot and he was making 
spot. (laughs) And uh, I was commissioned sales and, uh, you know, how long it takes to get things building up and yeah, other people's money. We have made more money on real estate than we have in our jobs. You do a lot of different types of loans that I want to dive into. And and a lot of that you probably learned through the process of going from $2,000 to a million, million plus. So let's, let's go into that. Let's start with this all in one loan. I I had not heard it or, or maybe it's used by a different name. Well, it's, um, in other countries called an offset loan. And one of the reasons it was important to me was because when I first started doing mortgages, I was taught, hey, if you do a bi-weekly mortgage, you're paying down your principal faster than paying the interest. And it's for people that know that you only wanna spend 90 cents on the dollar as opposed to a dollar one on every dollar. So what the all-in-one loan does is you pay principal first. And it's also similar to when I was doing foreclosures that I had a equity line on my house. And before going down to the auction house, I'd take out enough money to buy a house. And uh, when I didn't get it, I'd go back and put it in. Well, I only paid interest for that one day. And this is for your primary residence or even a second home, uh, we're getting one for our second home in Asheville, North Carolina, that every paycheck that we put into the bank pays down the principal on our mortgage. And then, you know, if you've ever done float on a credit card or float on your checks, when you go to pay 30 days later, well, all of that float from paying down your mortgage and then you pay the credit card, your overall balance has been lower. And so every month you start off here, you pay down with the, uh, your income, whether it be commission on a big real estate sale or your everyday paycheck, and then you pay your expenses, but it doesn't reach the original point. And then the next month it goes down and it goes up and it goes down. And so you're paying off principal dramatically faster. And you can save, I did an analysis on a home here worth uh, $3 million and they could save $2 million in interest charges. Wow. Utterly amazing. But it's only for highly qualified people people that know you only want to spend 90 cents on the dollar and not a dollar one. So in this process, is it something where it has, the mortgage has to be written up that way? Or is it something that you just do by how you pay it off? No, the mortgage is definitely written up that way. Uh, They have a trademark on it and there's a couple of different uh, servicers for it, but it's similar to a HELOC. Uh, home equity line of credit, but I had my HELOC taken away from me in 2008, you know, with the crash. And they've been doing this since before 2008. They've never uh, had anyone default. They've never had anyone where they had to decrease their line. It's just for the responsible person that 
wants to have that liquidity in their home. And that's what I specialized in is liquidity mortgages that you, it's paper money unless you can get it out. So you want to have the ability to get it out. What banks or what money sources are providing these loans? Well, uh, the the company is CMG Mortgage or CMG mm. Financial. And lately they've been in the news because they're buying another company. But it's just a small portion of their business. And they work with a, a credit union and a couple other uh, banks to do the servicing. And your paychecks, your credit cards, your debit cards, checking account, everything is all put together so that you're constantly paying down your principal. And so is that all automated? Are you choosing as the, you know, the homeowner, like when you want to pay, or is it just automatically deducting? Uh, it automatically sweeps the interest out monthly based on a calculated balance that is done nightly. So every night, you know, they figure how much equity have you paid down? How much uh, have you spent in expenses? And at the end of the month, they calculate that interest. And uh, I, on our current home, we have a 2.5% mortgage. When I ran the numbers for us here, the effective interest rate over the life of the loan was 0.6% even though I'm paying an adjustable monthly interest payment of uh, CMT plus, you know, 3% margin, something like that. So, you know, you're talking a 7% adjustable loan and the effective interest rate in my situation was only 0.6%. And we have a calculator on my website that you can run your own numbers. Uh, my website is four flloans.com. So. so diving into that, how, like, so for example, let's say someone gets a $300,000 house, they get a loan on it uh, and they go this route. How much more would they be paying per month to do this than if they were in a standard The process? whole idea is that you are not changing your spending habits at all nothing changes and i did this with float uh back in uh i think it was 1990 i wanted to buy a fur coat and <laughs> i was buying a used fur coat for 400 dollars. well my paycheck was 400 dollars, and it's like okay i'm going to pay them 400 dollars cash get this fur coat and my uh, withdrawals won't happen until the next paycheck. And that's what this does. It's like you have that float to your advantage as opposed to uh, the bank, you know, right now with, you know, not getting much money for checking accounts or, you know, any from checking accounts and minimal amount from savings account. Why let the banks keep that money? You know, you should use it to your advantage by paying down your principal. Yeah. I mean, it's criminal uh, how much <laughs> banks make on your money and how much they pay you and then how much they're charging you for these home loans that they're getting at pennies on the dollar. It's a very, very wild thing. Yeah. Hey, listen, it makes traditional 
mortgages uh, make me cringe now because right. it's like everyone refinances every seven years. Well, you're not paying down your loan then if you keep doing that every seven years. Totally. I'm super excited to go in and study this now. I mean, this is like brand new to me, which is really like, I love, love learning, learning new things. So thank you for sharing that with us. And I'll be doing some research on it. Take us into the DSCR portion. This is something that I've, I've done a lot of. So uh, when and how do you choose to use a DSCR product versus uh, you know, one of your other products? Well, uh, DSCR stands for debt service coverage ratio. And we like to nickname, nickname them Airbnb loans that if you're, and that's kind of changed a little bit that it, it works for any rental, you know, annual rentals, uh, seasonal rentals, or, you know, nightly rentals, that if the rent income is higher than the payments, the debt, monthly debt, then you can get a loan on it. So unlike a traditional home loan, where you're getting qualified on your income, a DSCR qualifies you on the property's income. So somebody with, and this has been very popular with the 18 to 24 year olds, that they're making money hand over fist. They don't have, and it's, you know, what we did with our first, you know, $2,000. It's like, you don't have the money yourself with an income. And so you have the property produce your income for you. And they buy a property, say for, you know, uh, let's even just do a condo, $250,000 condo. It rents out for the equivalent of uh, one and a half times the monthly payments, you know, taxes, insurance, homeowners association. And you're pocketing the difference. You're able to qualify and you're generating revenue as well as developing equity over time. It's a, it's a great product for somebody to increase their income. And that's one of the things that the all-in-one loan also encourages you. As you pay down your mortgage, you have this line of credit available that you can then buy other properties have the down payment to do a DSCR loan and generate even more income. Incredible. And so you just came out with a book, Winning the Lottery, and I'm assuming that has something to do with your journey from $2,000 to a property with over a million. So tell us about the book. Winning the Lottery is a tale of retirees navigating the waters of Southwest Florida. And it started off, again, I specialize in liquidity mortgages. I want you to have access to your money. So I was trying to learn reverse mortgages. And I love finances. This, I nerd out on it. And I'm reading the books on reverse mortgages. And I'm falling asleep. I could not get through these books. <laughs> and so because the my examples of older generations kept sending jokes. You know, my mom, I had to clean out her emails because these jokes would be gigantic pictures and she didn't have enough space. And my father-in-law, who was actually my grandparents' age, he had an entire folder of jokes that he would 
you know, tell repeatedly. My aunt and uncle send me, you know, emails with jokes. So I was like, okay, let's make humor uh, apply to these situations. And as I was doing that, I ended up turning it more into a novelette. It's a short story and it's about real life, what the elderly face in everyday life. Well, down here in Florida, 50 is the new 80 <laughs> or 80 is the new 50. Yeah. that I'm going kayaking with people 15, 20 years older than me. Uh, I came from Chicago where it's cold and you just, you know, it's dark and dreary and depression was a huge ordeal. And I come down here where I have palm trees and cool breeze and go kayaking. So I started uh, this tale winning the lottery based on Marco Island having skyrocketing appreciation. When the pandemic hit, I was in the process of refinancing, or not refinancing, get a home equity loan on my home. And they appraised our house for less than we paid for it. A year later, frenzy prices going up, and I had a million dollars more in equity than a year earlier. And it was like, I won the lottery. And everyone here on the island, when it came to their values, won the lottery. And people across the country saw we have record high equity in, in homes right now. Wow. So the person reading that book, they're, they're going to be experiencing through story, obviously, what happens to property values. Now, in that, obviously, property values can go up and down. So what's what's your message there? Is is it hang on for the long run? Is it is it play it like it's the stock market, right? Cash out when it's high. How do you recommend? Well, really, because it's more based on retirees, uh, we have right now a um, couple million dollar homes being built. We have four of them on our street, whereas the original residents here on Marco Island maybe only paid. 200,000 for their house and now it's worth 2 million but they're on fixed incomes they've been on fixed incomes for years and with insurance and property taxes going up it's one of those things where it's like i don't know if i can keep up inflation everything else so getting a reverse mortgage gives them the ability to have money to renovate their home, to buy a home that's more appropriate as they get older. It's also a great story for children of parents who are getting older because so many children have to help their parents out. Oh, you know, money's tight, this and that. And they might have to go physically help them out where if you took the money out of the house, they could hire help. They could uh, not rely on their children's money. And that's one of the reasons that I have free copies for Mother's Day. You can buy the book on Amazon on uh, the Friday and Saturday before Mother's Day, because it is a great Mother's Day gift. It's an entertaining story. It has you know, touristy type things. You feel like you're on vacation when you're reading it. But there's also the 
drama of Hurricane Ian coming in and, you know, wiping out the house. And a lot of it has to do with what Ben Franklin said. If you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. Totally. What do you see as a vision for your life in the next 12 to 18 months? Hmm. I am really concentrated on the reverse mortgages and the all-in-one loans down here in Florida because we have a lot of people with a lot of wealth and uh, the age is fitting into that category. But we're also buying a uh, summer home in Asheville, North Carolina, and that's a completely different market. So in Asheville, I'm working with the fix and flippers and, you know, the uh, first time home buyers, the the younger generation. So I've, I'm covering all the bases, uh, North Carolina and Florida. Uh, Nexa Mortgage is a nationwide uh, mortgage broker and I can refer to uh, all different states, but uh, for North Carolina and Florida, that's that's me. Nashville's a really cool area. What what took you guys there? Music, uh, diversity, beer. <laughs> I don't drink beer. My <laughs> husband drinks beer. Uh, <laughs> motorcycles. My husband likes the twisties and and riding his yeah. motorcycle around. How awesome. Well, Ruth, thanks for coming on sharing about your book and what you're doing and your journey. It's so cool to see these journeys where people go from literally just about nothing, not even enough to pay for a refrigerator all the way to where you're at today. So thanks for sharing that with us. And guys, if you're out there listening right now, something you learned from today that you could put into use, share it with somebody you know, so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. If you take steps day by day before you know it, you'll be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode.